Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, hello. Kaylin Patterson of the O'Callan clan. The O'Callans all over the world. Welcome. Welcome. Whoa. Anywho, this program is sponsored by P4P Muscle, the number one drug-free sponsorship foundation in all of the world. And if you are a drug-free athlete and are looking for a solid foundation to stand your two pixie sticks upon, maybe a little some hamstrings, Anywho, put them behind a vehicle to drive your goals like what does arise. I like a Mack truck through ice cream. A blah blah blah. Is that what vampires do? I don't even know. Is that what they do when they drink your blood? Flavored by snickerdoodle. Because it tastes <laughs> all so good. With all positive, of course. Check us out at fee4pmuscle.com. And now, let us chit chat with a banter. Hello, Desiree. How you doing? Hello. So, is this like a Australian vampire accent that we're working on today, or, or what? What do we think, have yeah, kind of going on here? You, down under, you might as well drink some blood while you're there. <laughs> now you sound like a Jamaican Australian vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all over the place. That that would be quite the mix, quite the mix there. So, <laughs> woo! It's good times, good times here in P for P Real Talk Land. Welcome everybody. Welcome to the show. Um, so in our last show, if you were uh, tuning in, we had promised to. Uh, get back to a question that was asked about a week or so ago, and we are prepared to do that tonight. But but before we do that, I want to call attention to a uh, uh, prep and posing workshop that is coming up here on May 11th. It's called the uh, OCB 101, and uh, this one is being hosted by um, Natural Bodybuilder Pro and Promoter Lauren Thomas, he's got the uh, Skyview Classic, and uh, his second show is going to be on August 10th. So if you are looking at that show, considering that show, or don't have a show picked, but you're kind of thinking you might want to jump into this whole crazy world of natural bodybuilding, and you are in the Chicago area, um, or Illinois area, I should say, yeah, Actually, Westchester, Illinois. (laughs) Then this might be for you. And this is actually a two-pronged workshop because phase one is a contest prep. And then phase two is posing presentation to uh, give you some insider deets on how to pose for what judges are looking for. So the workshop is on Saturday, May 11th. And if you want more information, you can reach Lauren direct at focuscreator at gmail.com. And so that's F-O-C-U-S-C-R-E-A-T-O-R, focuscreator at gmail.com. That's the OCB prep seminar, OCB 101. So if that's in your alley, go ahead and uh, 
check it out. And I just, you know, want to call attention to that because we're seeing a lot more of these popping up all over the place, and I think it's fantastic. We had John Arnold on a, a couple months ago talking about his prep work, workshop. Kaylin was just with Brian McCabe in Chicago for his prep workshop. Here's another opportunity. So I really like the fact that promoters are stepping up and creating opportunities to help athletes be as prepared as they can be because I think before, and while some promoters have been offering workshops for a while, it wasn't as widespread as we're seeing it now. So they were kind of, a lot of athletes, they were just kind of on their own really to figure it out, find a coach, learn from another athlete, but now they're creating more and more educational venues, and I think that is fantastic. Kaylin? Yeah, I, I definitely got to chime in on this one. Um, the discal- the discal- yikes, I've got death disease. Um, the DeKalb Spring Naturals, Lauren was there, and some of the posing was just atrocious. And he was witness to it, and it spurred him even more to be more involved in this. And that was one of the things he had said, you know, how how much greater the shows could be if people were more confident in knowing what they were doing on stage. And it's true. You know, I, I don't know any promoter that wants a lackluster product. And, you know, there's something that I always ask, at the seminars, and I, I just recently asked at the one we were with Brian McCabe, you know, we always go into a show with the expectations of what the promoter should do for us, but seldom do we have an understanding of what we should be doing for the promoter. Most of the times you'll have competitors that are truly competitors, and they, they stand out a mile away, but they're usually first place from the beginning. Um the thing that really should be uh, standing out is like when we had the men's physique and men's classic physique where you had the first six or seven and all of them knew what they were doing. This is the thing that we have to have on a more stable understanding of competition going in. And these seminars really make that happen. And that was something that really, uh, hit Lauren hard because he said, you know, what, what, this is my second year and I don't want people basically just saying, I think I look like I can compete. So I'm going to step on stage. Why not have all the tools and resources put in place? And he said, you know, why not have the answers to the questions before you know, there's a test. And I was like, you know, that, that's a good, that's a good way to look at it. Well, if if you know what's, what's going to happen before you get there, then you have a better uh, sense of being when you're out there on stage. You know, everybody's going to get stage fright to some extent. We get that. I, I Like I was telling them, I played sports all my life. I still got nervous before each game. That's just, you know, that just shows the value of what you're doing. But getting out there and doing what you're doing and enjoying it is is a much better representation of the sport as a whole rather than somebody having a bucket list and basically forgetting the bucket and the list. So, you know, he he's got he's got a passion for it. This is his second year, he wants to do better 
And if he's doing this kind of research and, and traveling to the different shows to find a better way to take care of the athletes, then I think as athletes we need to basically step up our game as well and show up to these seminars. I mean, you know, granted, you don't have to, but it there there's a a very telling difference between the people that have done their homework and the people that are basically just trying to wing it. This? Nope, I'm with you there. And I mean, in a lot of times, these seminars are very affordable. So it's not like the promoters are even really making money on on these things. They're more or less just covering the expenses to uh, pay for the venues to hold these events. So it really is in the athlete's, in, athlete's interest, I think, and I agree with Kaylin wholeheartedly that if they're putting these on, then, you know, attend. Attend. Make the effort. At least attend one. And if you find that it's just not, um, you know, your cup of tea, cool. You tried it out. You experienced it. But you at least know whether or not it's something that a novice competitor would get something out of. You know, maybe you're further along and don't need to learn anything new. Who knows? I haven't reached that spot yet. So I always enjoy um, attending the workshops when I get the chance, and if nothing else, just getting the chance to meet other athletes and network with the folks that are there. So um, I always think it's a good opportunity. All right, guys. So getting back to this question that we had a couple of weeks ago from listener Greg, and in a nutshell, he's basically asking, should there be a size requirement for bodybuilding competitors? So we're talking about um, – he was talking about male bodybuilders, but we can throw, you know, females in there as well, basically any class. But I'm going to go ahead and read the question to you. And then as promised, Kaylin and I have gone and uh, gotten other feedback um, from professionals in the uh, sport as well as other uh, experts in the industry. And uh, we're going to share with you, share those their thoughts with you tonight. And uh, hopefully you're going to continue to submit your feedback and let us know so we can have a discussion. And uh, Kaylin and I will recap where we are on this subject matter too. And maybe for a lot of you, it's it's like a non-issue, but it's a good uh, it's a good point to discuss. So here it is. Here's a question. This is from Greg. He says, "Look, guys, I have a grievance with natural bodybuilding." Not one you guys might agree with, but I have to share it. If all other categories have criteria that must be met, why is one of the foundational categories not adhered? The bodybuilding class seems to be consistently overlooked. Hear me out. You see, bodybuilders are told constantly that they are too big for other classes, yet for some reason, none of the other class athletes are told they are too small for bodybuilding. Can someone please explain this to me fully? So that's the question. Um, My two cents worth on this is um, I don't necessarily know that there needs to be a minimum. To me, when I read this question, it sounds to me more of a question about size versus conditioning, but maybe I'm reading too much into the question. That's just how I interpret it when I read it. Um, If you're too small in a given class, you're not going to do as well. If you're too large for a given class, you're not going to do as well. But I don't know if you need or if you can even come up with actual perimeters to tell somebody 
you have to fall within this guideline in order to compete in this class, other than the ones that have already been determined, which vary slightly organization by organization. So in a nutshell, that's kind of where I stand on this. Kaylin? Yeah, um, this one, uh, it was kind of cut and dry with me because I was always thinking, you know, I guess whoever showed up determine when you talk about the size factor. But Alyssa brought up a point that uh, I hadn't thought about, and it should be since, we, you know, we've sat in the judges' seat, but when the people we're taking, telling this to are people that are coming in with the conditioning, they're just oversized for the class. They're, um, they're oversized for the, against the category they've chosen. So when we're saying that they're too big, they would have won or placed well in the bodybuilding class. So the size thing becomes a factor again because, you know, I was thinking, well, it, it depends on who shows up, and that would determine big or small because the, if mm-hmm. the conditioning is there on the on – the, uh, on the athlete that would have placed better in the proper category, then it does become an issue. And, you know, I, I thanks Alyssa for, for pointing that out because I hadn't, you know, I was kind of, I guess, overlooking again my own category, which is bodybuilding. But it's, it's also the factor of the people that would place better in bodybuilding, but because of the criteria they're too big for the category they're in. So now if that kind of A-list competition is showing up and then you have someone of a smaller stature, does conditioning win? Even though you have people that are close to the conditioning but more of the bodybuilding criteria because I think where we start to isolate on the one factor of conditioning and that's superseding mm-hmm. the rest of the criteria. Because if there's seven parts to it, why is the one winning? And I think that's what the yeah. what Greg was getting at. And it actually makes more sense when you think about it that way because if you're saying mm-hmm. – you know, we, we have, because if we only think bodybuilding, then we're going to have a certain criteria we expect to see, and we're going to judge that class. But now you have bodybuilders that realize that bodybuilding is being forced out, so if size doesn't matter, why can't I compete in men's physique and men's classic physique, and why does the smaller person win when I'm just as conditioned, but I've built my body to the specifications that I thought would be correct. So, you know, it, it gets, it gets, it, it's, it's a tough call, but I, I did ask some, uh, some people in the sport because when Alyssa had sent that message, it, it kind of got me because I said, I'm overlooking the factors because I do steer towards conditioning because it's not easy to diet that way 
and be that shredded and to be that shredded. But is that necessarily the sole remnant of what wins the bodybuilding uh, category? That's a tough call. And most of the time, the eyes do go to the conditioning. I, I think Chris and I had spoken on this uh, some shows back where we were saying, you know, hey, this is, you know, something we we always need to factor in. But is it the only thing that's going to win the show for bodybuilding? And that, that's that's tough to that's tough to answer. And, and what what everybody's saying is it depends on who shows up. But when I presented the the Alyssa prospect, then it became, man, we're going to have to rethink this because if we don't, then we're going to have the incredible the incredibly shrinking bodybuilding. And if it's already looking like it's being phased out. We sure don't want to assist in that happening because I think that's what started happening with uh, uh, female bodybuilding, and, and I sure don't want it to happen to men's bodybuilding because if these are found foundational pillars in the industry, we sure don't want them to fade away when we're basically downsizing because it, it, that what is it that slippery slope that we talk about? And everything else, you don't want to get down that slippery slope because if that is the guideline, then when are we building the body to look like bodybuilding where you have full muscles, if all that matters is striated glutes, if all that matters is basically being the most conditioned person that walks in the door? At what point does bodybuilding criteria overrule just the one. Des, what do you think? You know, that is a tough one, but it brings it around to what I was thinking of when you come down to conditioning versus size. Um, and that in and of itself is a question that has been more prevalent over the last couple of years, especially, I think, of natural bodybuilding. And it it's really tough also, you know, between the different organizations a little bit because everyone handles it a little bit differently. And I, too, have been talking with some other pro bodybuilders out in the field, and I have to confess I did not speak with any females, and I should have. Um, But I was thinking along the lines of mostly just men's bodybuilding because that's what I took away from the listener's question. So that's the perspective that I was coming from or going after, I should say. But, Um, I want to share just a couple of the comments that I received back, and then we'll see how this is playing into the feedback that Kaylin received um, in comparison to the answers that Greg is kind of looking for also. So this particular um, athlete, a pro bodybuilder, also a coach, he says, see, I don't agree. I have told many a bodybuilder that their condition or size isn't enough for the class that they should consider enough for the class period, that they should consider either taking off a few seasons to grow or to see if they like another class with a smaller classification of muscle better. I think the end result is that some people can make up for a lack of size and condition in the bodybuilding class, which can be commended, but if you're too big in a a pair of trunks, you're just going to look too big. 
So what this, what this coach is saying, and I agree with what he's saying is, and what all coaches should be doing is, if you don't have the size for a given class, then, then don't compete in it. I don't know that it's necessarily a criteria thing. I mean, you see the criteria, um, it describes what level of muscle you should have, what level of conditioning you should have, what kind of separation of the muscle you should have, um, and so on and so forth. And so if you're not quite there in size and you know it, then look at the other classes where your conditioning will put you as a front runner for the size that you have. I would hate to tell someone that they are too small to strive for something um, and then they don't do it at all because that's where their heart is set. That's where they want to be. If they're too small in size, then they should not do as well with someone who has against athletes that have the size. But then I'm also kind of torn because sometimes you have athletes that have the size but their conditioning is way off way off and mm-hmm. how do you how do you correctly judge that i mean because i i know the whole question is well if it, you know the conditioning shouldn't outweigh the whole thing but then should size be the only should should size be the trumping factor of the conditioning is not there i mean that just complicates the question even more and then you get to the factor well it just all depends on who shows up that day mm-hmm and and that is and that's a fair um a fair assessment as well it, it it's kind of coming down to so which which aspect of bodybuilding should should be the defining factor is it conditioning or is it size because if you have someone with a with size and they have the conditioning then they win hands down every time but if you've got athletes mm-hmm. who have conditioning and not the size compared to other athletes who have the size clearly, but their conditioning is not there, which way do you go? Still not the whole picture. It's one attribute versus the other. And so then I say you got to bring in the posing to really figure that one out. Because posing, again, can be a deciding factor as well. So I don't know, Kaylin. It's it's a tricky one. I flip flop. I'm I'm flip flopping even now as I'm talking about it out loud, because that's kind of what you see sometimes. I mean, it's not it's not a matter of conditioning is on, size is there, but the smaller guy is winning. Usually, you have super conditioned, size is not as big versus size definitely there, full, but conditioning is off. You you very rarely have that in between type scenario. And I've seen it where athletes have had the size and they weren't as well conditioned, but they won because they had the size. And I've seen it on the other end where athletes have the conditioning but not the same size, and they won. Now, at this point, I don't remember the posing, so I guess that's kind of moot. It's just remembering what the extremes were. Um, Okay, here we go. So anyway, all right. Because uh, clearly you guys are on to something. I'm sorry, this is Jake. Clearly you guys are onto something because in an effort to grow the sport, we basically left other we. Oh, okay, I see what he's saying. It, we, meaning yeah, we, the, the industry, have left the basically the foundation behind. 
So basically we're on the 12th floor and nobody's worried about ground level or the basement or the garage. Okay, that's yeah. a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, I see what you're saying. And, yes, I, I agree because, I, I, like I said, I compete in bodybuilding, if, if no one is familiar with that. But I have also looked and said, you know, this is where the industry is going. And so if that's the criteria that they're looking for, I know to look that way. My question now, when I'm asking people in the, in the industry, is because Greg stimulated me to think that, because if we're undersizing bodybuilding in an effort to get whatever thing that we're doing, and we're basically deflating that category in the eyes of the audience, I think that's what most people are misunderstanding when Dad and I are saying what we're hmm. saying. We're speaking on behalf of the audience. This is real talk. This is great. He's a, an audience attendant, and he's wanting to know why are he we He wants to know where's the beef. Yes, and <laughs> I think that's, that's a very valid question when you have what you have on stage. I'm saying, and and this this was something I asked um, when we had the St. John shows, and I could see where we were trending, and I said, you know, it's it's almost scary how conditioned this guy is for bodybuilding, and everybody kind of thought, you know, wow, that you kind of taken away his win, and I said no, because. At the Midwest States, I saw an athlete that was 6'6 six, six and 165 pounds. And I said, sitting in the audience, this guy is going to win. Everyone in that aisle looked at me like I'd lost my mind because I knew then what the criteria was, and they were going to swing towards conditioning. And this guy won his pro card, and he hasn't won since because he just can't get the idea that he's got to put on some muscle. This is what I mm-hmm. won looking like as a pro. I mean, this is what I won my pro card looking like, and this is what the judges expect. For that show, that one show where no one showed up looking better than he did, and he won. And he was supposed to. But now when you step him on stage with pros, then it becomes an issue of him being undersized. And then the judges go back on what they said and tell him you're going to get have to get a little more size to compete with these veterans. So... See, and I think right there, right there, if I could interrupt real quick, Kaylin, is a valid point that you're bringing up, and that is also the difference between amateur and the difference between pro. Mm-hmm. And that size differential can be considerable, especially yes. in bodybuilding category. Oh, yes. Uh, I can tell you, um, and this was, we had three categories at this show. I, we were at the 
the the natural universe in Chicago when they used to have it in Chicago. And there were three classes, short, medium, tall. And there were 11 pros in the tall. There were nine in the medium. There were five in the short. And one guy had won the Chi-Town showdown. And he should have won that show. And when he stepped on stage, he was so hurt. It was really something to see. And he said, as he was walking out of the venue, I'll never compete again. And I said, you know, we've actually done this man a disservice. And I say we as as speaking for the industry because no one did what Des just said where we walked him through, you know, what wins an amateur show and what wins on a pro stage. Because if you don't have basically the understanding of what you're getting into, you can, you know, if, if you've got pride and ego, it's going to take a beating sometimes. And I, I'll never forget when when I was uh, standing next to Cleveland Thomas and he was getting ready to go on stage with uh, Meshack, uh, oh, my buddy from England. I can't think of his name. Uh, help me out, Des. Uh He's one of the P4P guys. We, we, oh, we had him down again. Yes. Um, keep going. It'll come to me. Okay. I so can see him. I can see him. No hair. No hair. Yes. There you go. Oh, why can't I think of it now? I'm drawing on your why mind. Why can't I think of it now? <laughs> but, I, but, but anyway. Keep going. It's going to come. It, it was those three guys. And I was looking at Cleveland's leg, and it seemed like it was a, a bridge going over some great lake. It was that way. And reality hits like a, an I-beam when, when, when you're faced looking at what a pro looks like. And I remember yeah. saying to myself, wow, if you're not prepared, it's a hard smack to your pride and ego when you see what a pro looks like. Because they do things so different. Their understanding of their bodies is so advanced because they're pros for a reason. And if you're an amateur that basically learned to fine-tune and hone something and basically win at a hand-picked show because, you know, I've, I've – I've got plenty of uh, coaches that are handpicking the shows they want their athletes to win at. And that's, you know, that will change as, you know, the competitors get more in depth and uh, the, the, the the list gets deeper. They, they won't be able to do that so much. So that, that part of the industry doesn't scare me. The thing that we have to address is not just winning the pro card but basically walking them through afterwards. Just like we have to have refeeds to get back to normal society and diet, 
we should be doing the same thing for their minds. And that way we can grow the sport in a more sustainable way. Because the one thing that always frightened me about natural competitions is the unnatural things we do when it comes to to diet. Because at some point, I'm afraid that we're going to get someone so conditioned that their bodies will no longer function the way they were used to before they got to those limits. I, I just, it's its always in the back of my head, you know, how conditioned is too conditioned because someone's always going to push the envelope. We're competitors. I know. I know what I've done in sports legally when it came to the pain threshold, the bruises, the bumps when I was doing competitive sports. And there was times where I look back and like like Michael Judge said when he had the flu, he was willing to die to play that game. And if you think about that, that's insane to modern society. That's insane to normal society. If we take bodybuilding as a category, isolate it like the rest of what the industry is doing with these others and fine-tuning what they're doing, then we will have that decisive understanding of conditioning and size. Uh, Kimmy Arnone came up with a great idea, and I can use her name because she's, uh, you know, she basically put this down on a platform as to, you know, what would be better for the, uh, the industry is to show what first place looks like and then show what last place looks like. And then you look at those two pictures and you look up on stage and see who best fits first through fifth. Because a lot of times at a lot of shows, we start seeing so much that the lines get blurred, especially with newer judges, the ones that don't want to make that tough call. Uh, Dez, uh, Courtney Mile, I and some other judges have, have not always agreed with who was first place. And we needed to be explained to. And we asked for those explanations. It, it's not as cut and dry as you think. And when these things are being factored in, like Dad says, if when you start getting that fine tooth comb out there, you want to get it right. No judge ever wants to take something from someone and give it to someone that didn't deserve it. No judge. If they're in the judge's seat, they're still not a judge if that's the way they think, and they will be found out. They might get away with one show, but not all of them. And, uh, you know, Earl the Pearl was talking about that on some other shows. So, you know, it's, it's going to be addressed. It's going to be worked out. Des, what do you think? Well, I think there's a lot to unpack in what you were just talking about. Um, unpack it. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and unpack it because we've covered, we've covered a gamut there. Um, I think. So I think I'm gonna start with um, a comment that was shared, and um, this is 
with uh, with Becky Arnold, who's a great promoter and a judge as well, very seasoned athlete herself. And she says, the question I always ask is, will this person step on stage as a pro and win? An undersized athlete will sometimes be emotionally crushed when being on stage with our veteran pros. Um, but um, that's that's kind of the the reality of what is there. And I think I'm going to take us back to Jake's comment as well, talking about the growing of the sport with all these additional categories that have popped up. And in in bringing these categories in and bringing them along, that we have lost the foundational roots of core bodybuilding. Because if we take this back all the way to the beginning, there only ever was bodybuilding. We didn't have yeah. bikini. We didn't have figure. We didn't have physique. We didn't have classic physique. We didn't have all these things. And I'm, I actually think it's a great thing that they've been added because it has just really broadened the sports. Yeah. But in doing that, it maybe has blurred the lines in coming, in coming across. And I think part of that blurring is the crossover between categories which, you know, if anybody's been listening to me for any amount of time, you will know that I am not a fan of the crossover among different classes or categories. I, I'm a fan of the crossover within a category. So if you want to go mm-hmm. from novice to open to masters, do it. But it, it better be all bikini. It better be all physique. You know, just the same class. But going from bikini to figure, going from, classic physique to bodybuilding and being able to win in both, that doesn't seem right to me. And I think that that just adds to the confusion of it all. Um, So I think that's part of the bigger picture. And that can also make it confusing, as Caitlin was pointing out, to judges when that's allowed also. Because, you know, we can only judge – based on what we're looking at and the best physique has to win, even if it's in the wrong category. And I know I'm skewing us as far as the topic here, but I just wanted to provide that perspective and that explanation is even if we know that, um, you know, this person might fit another category better, if they're the best physique on the stage and it's not even close, then you have to reward the best physique on the stage. Um, so I think there's just a lot that is going to continue to work itself out um, as time goes on because really what classic physique has been a thing for what now? Two years? Yeah. that Three? At the longest? Three. Um, you know, so if you've watched Bikini over the years, it has continued to be fine-tuned. And so I think you're going to continue to see that across the categories. And the idea being that each category, each smaller category, will serve as a pipeline into the next category that's coming up. And I feel like I'm kind of rambling and discombobulated, but those are just several thoughts that I wanted to get out. So, A, you know, the sport is expanding. There are more choices than there ever were before. 
every organization looks at it a little bit differently, but they're they're largely the same. So it's just going to continue to get fine-tuned as we go along. B, I'm not going to continue to rant on the crossovers, but I think that if that wasn't allowed across classes, then that's going to help clear up some of the confusion. If you're not sure what Very class true. you belong in, then I guess, yeah, compete in different classes and see which one you perform better in and whichever one you perform better in, if you are okay with that class, then pursue it. If you aren't doing well in a class because you're undersized, you know, or oversized, the oversized you can't do much about. Your physique is your physique. The muscle you build is the muscle you built. But if you are undersized, then continue to grow and work on it until you start to get the results that you are looking for and the placements that you're looking for in competitive in competition because it does happen and it will happen. But I mean, I've even told some veteran competitors, you know, a competitor who I have a lot of respect for, he is a bodybuilder and that was his class. And he was, you know, that's where he wanted to be, but he wasn't finishing as well as he could have would have if he were in physique. And so I, you know, gave him a recommendation. You know, you really should consider physique. I think you can tear it up. I think your frame is better suited for that. He gave it a try, and he's tearing it up. So it really is just having an understanding of what each class is looking for and going for it. And if you don't meet it just yet, then keep working at it. And I think that's, I mean, imposing a minimum or a maximum size requirement, I don't necessarily think that's the answer. Um, As I said before, I do think that athletes that are too small for a category, it takes care of themselves. They're not going to place. If it becomes a questioning of conditioning versus size, again, that's something that's going to continue to have to be worked on. And now that I've rambled, Kaylin, where do you want to go with this? Well, this is coming from Brent, <clears throat> and he's saying, it, again, you're forgetting about the different uh, qualifications in the organizations themselves. Yeah, I, I, we covered that in the beginning. Um, we didn't overlook it. It's just something that I guess we didn't put out there enough times for you to hear it. But, yeah, that, that does make a difference. I know the NGA loves a bigger athlete, um, the OCB wants more condition, the IPE um, likes bikini to be a little bit harder. So it was uh, it was nice that we could get that information out there. And w- when we're talking to the people we're talking to, we're not talking to specific organizations. We're asking individuals in different organizations to get the feedback that can grow the sport. Um, when Des and I are speaking, we're speaking in general terms because we cover natural bodybuilding. We don't cover organization. We tend to uh, cover uh, the people that have the organization, especially promoters. They have every right to promote their organization and their show. So, you know, if we have people on there like that, we're, we're, spe- we're speaking specific, but it's more them speaking. Uh, here we go with this tongue tied. Uh, speaking specifics as compared to us covering natural bodybuilding. So, yeah, um, it does make a big difference. Uh, we, don't, we do know what, what uh, those organizations are looking for. It's just the question of 
if we could get on one page, and I think that's always going to be the outcry for every uh, natural organization, get on one page. And I know it, it's it's not as easy as we say, but I think the drug testing, uh, what they looked on in, in bodybuilding, what's looked on in men's physique, what's looked on in men's classic physique, because if we're, we're covering natural bodies, natural athletes aren't held to just one organization, although many organizations would love to have that. That's not necessarily the case. So it's not athletes jumping ship. It's athletes competing in shows. And until the industry sees that, they're always going to try to hold the athletes to a, a, a standard that the athlete doesn't really have to adhere to. So if we're talking about integrity, then let the person be themselves. Um, if they're being punished, then that's that's a sin. And, and then it's a true shame. But if it truly is about the foundation of bodybuilding and what's expected for a bodybuilder, um, Kyle says it best, bodybuilding by its very name is building the body. What do you think about that, Dad? I think that's 100% correct. And consistency in time will continue to produce a bigger build. Yes. And, you know, I, I, I love this one from Lisa, and it, it's a good point because she says, you know, we're talking about men's building their bodies. She had a friend that basically started out bikini and now is physique because she just never wanted to put the weights down once she started picking them up. Yep. She fell in yep. love with the look, and she has just transformed her body. And I'm hoping she can send me... Uh, a transformation from beginning to bikini to physique because that's that's a wide spectrum and I would love to see how that result turned out and uh, hopefully she can get me that picture to me before the show's over. But anywho, yeah, we we did we have been basically one sided. Des, um, you can speak to that better than me. What part am I speaking to here? The female side? About going from bikini, because <laughs> I know you're doing a transformation to figure, so. Yeah. You know, I'm working on it. We'll, we'll see at what point I get there, but, uh, you know, that was more uh, a personal decision than one that was dictated by my physique or my frame. But, you know, it's, I will have to say, it is one of those things where I've had judges tell, ask, you know, ask me if I had considered figure. And I always look at their comments and be like, well, are you, re- are you crazy? Because I would be the smallest figure girl on that stage. But they asked me that based on my conditioning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, there, therein, therein lies the rub. I mean, that's the, whole, that's the whole thing that we're talking about here. And so in my mind, I always have been, and at heart, I still am a bikini girl, but I am working on transitioning to becoming a, uh, a figure athlete. But it is also kind of the natural progression of things. If you continue to lift, you stay focused, you stay consistent, um, you start to lift heavier as you go, and yes, your body is going to respond in kind, and you will start to develop a physique that – um, may not fit the class that you were in anymore. Although mm-hmm. I would look at any any pro bikini athlete 
And I would say she's an amateur figure athlete. And so you have those Mm -hmm. differences again of what we were talking about, the amateur physique versus the pro physique and what that expectation is. Because, I mean, if you put a pro bikini competitor in a figure posing routine, I mean, lats aside, their lats may not be as well developed as um, your figure competitors, but there are several where their legs are coming in, the pro bikini gals, their shoulder caps are in, um, you know, they could be an amateur figure competitor and probably do really Mm. well. Now, would they do as well on a pro figure stage? Probably not because they're not pro figure competitors. They're pro bikini competitors, but they're probably, you know, with some time, not too far off. So, you know, those are some of the changes and just the perspectives to keep in mind. I've seen, you know, figure girls that have just gotten to the point where they're better off being physique. And when they start competing physique, they place better because their size matches their category better than in figure. So, you know, it all comes back to something that Kaylin and I have harped on to harped on for a long time is do your homework, know the the expectation of the um, organization that you're competing under and, and, and just go for it based on that. Will it always turn out that you'll have the win? Nope, sure won't. Never. But it'll give you a better idea of what they're expecting, just like Kaylin was outlining. IPE awards a harder look than some organizations do, especially for female competitors. That's their norm. NGA tends to be softer for female competitors. I shouldn't say across the board, but especially in bikini, OCB is the same way. So part of it, too, is just understanding what that organization is looking for and then, you know, determining where you fit within that, within that criteria for that organization. They're all going to be similar, but they're all not 100%. True. Um, well, this one's from Sheldon, and uh, wow, we, we're getting uh, some good insight on this. I, I like this topic, and I like where we're going with it. With the uh, health factor being part of natural bodybuilding, since you are a natural athlete, has anyone ever considered the conditioning on the health ramifications and if they really understood what was going on, would the judges and the organizations, promoters slash presidents, change the criteria to better suit the health of the athlete as compared to being, oh, I can't read that word, um, incredibly ripped? Mm. I would argue that they do understand and that the nature of the sport is the nature of the sport because most judges have been an athlete at one time if they still aren't practicing or competitive athletes. Well, uh, it's a good question because I, I know there's times where we've seen what people were willing to do to uh, look lean, but that was, Okay, we're 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 talking two different things. Let's get that understood. A promoter that cares for the athlete, and a quote unquote coach that wants to get a competitor to stage. So mm, let's make okay. that perfectly clear. Um, I know the promoters care. I know the judges care, 
and I know there's an eye care because we've had to be on site to help these athletes deal with bad coaching. So, uh, Sheldon, that's a great question, but I think it's focusing on the wrong part in, in this question, and that's the person that gets, that prepares a person for SAGE as compared to somebody that's watching someone walk in a building and uh, have what appears to be a competitive physique and then find out later that uh, their health has been placed at risk. So you're talking two different scenarios, and um, it's a good question. And Dad and I are very concerned about that as well. So we, uh, we're mm-hmm. on board with what you're saying, but you're, you're, you're placing, I guess, if it would be any blame, the blame would not go to the promoter or the judging panel. They don't know. They simply don't yeah. know until they see the reaction of the athlete. Um, that question would be better uh, placed to the coach or the, the team that brought the athlete into the building because they have a better understanding of what that athlete did or has done to themselves in preparation or for will the show. Do. So, yes. Yep. So that, that's a very valid and good question, and that goes back to the seminars that Des was speaking of. And, uh, you know, it, the, that information is readily given. Uh, I haven't seen anyone that, that said they only get 50 carbs a day that didn't have, like, many alarms and many athletes and many people that are, know anything about the sport raise a red flag and intercede immediately. So, you know, good question. I think it's directed to the wrong people. Um, Yeah, I mean, you're correct. There are several ways to look at that. I mean, it's one thing knowing the nature of the sport and what it requires um, and changing those requirements because, you know, bodybuilding is bodybuilding, and it's based on how well you've built your body and how well you're able to uh, showcase how you've built your body, but the the main crux of the matter is how did you build your body and how did you get there and how are you going to recover once you get off the stage? And there are, are coaches that do a fantastic job of safely prepping their athletes and then having them reverse diet and watching their bodies and reactions and, you know, proper amounts of food, you know, trying to keep Um, a grasp on their hormone levels. But again, some of that responsibility is on the athlete as well. A lot of that responsibility is on the athlete, but you have to know what it is that you're looking for and uh, pay attention to what your body's telling you. But then there are also a lot of coaches, as Kaylin said, that are only worried about getting their athlete to stage, trying to win, and not concerned about the ramifications of what the process of getting them to stay yes. did to their body. Yeah. They're only focused on the end result, not the longevity of the athlete that they're working with. A good coach is focused on results and longevity. You know, a coach that just wants enough fame so they can continue to get referrals and bring people in because they train winners um, and they're not focused on the longevity of the health of their athlete. No, they're not a good coach. So, yeah. Um, I mean, the sport is what it is, just like football, just like soccer, just like baseball, basketball, tobogganing, whatever it is. 
it all comes with risk, but it also comes with reward. And there are people that love it just the same, but that some athletes are better prepared than others. And a lot of that, the majority of that comes down to their coaching and the amount of information and knowledge they have. Yes. Well said. Yes. Yes. So, Greg, if you're listening, I don't know if we answered your question or not, buddy. And maybe you think we're full of it um, and maybe you feel like we missed your point at all, but I feel like it's, uh, it's been a good, it's been a good discussion. It's been a good discussion. Yep, I heard it. Thumbs up. Thank you. Kaylin, what? I I was just letting you know we got a thumbs up halfway into the show. He loved it. Okay, good. Good deal. Good deal. So let me just share a couple of other comments that I received just to kind of polish this off, and then we can wrap this up. Um, Another individual that I talked to said, great question. I'm not sure that people don't get that feedback from judges. Anyone can enter any of the classes, but it doesn't mean they will do well in them. Um, People are not prevented from doing physique because they are too big or muscular. They might not be placed as well, though. Same with bodybuilding. They can still enter, but they might not do as well if they lack mass. Um, And he was talking about this particular athlete goes on to talk about his own experience. He says, in fact, INBA used to be ABA, and I never did as well as I did in AAU, who also had natural shows and against the same people. ABA liked math more, and AAU favored conditioning. So this athlete's experience goes back to knowing what the organization you're competing under expects. Um, and, uh, and there you have it. So I think there are differing opinions on this, but there are also consistencies on things that everyone can, everyone, athletes could be, should be looking for when they're competing to hedge your bets on how well you're going to perform um, your personal effort aside, such as understanding the organization, understanding the criteria, the expectation, and uh, really, really studying each class. Just because your coach tells you that you're suited for a particular class doesn't make it your class. So you've got no. so many options out there right now. Look at pictures. Go to the organization website. Look at their criteria and really find which class speaks to you. And then go for it. Kill it. Kaylin, last thought on tonight. I, I like what you said, and I love the way you said it. And also, like, I, I want to reiterate that Dad and I have interceded many times on behalf of an athlete that was poorly coached and poorly prepared for a show. It's not a good thing, and we don't appreciate it. We don't respect the people that have sent him there. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Like Dad says, we see the good and we see the horrible. And uh, it, it's not something that we like but it's something we've come to understand can happen. And yes, we always speak out. We always speak to the athlete. Um, sometimes we're chastised for doing so, but we have to answer to our Lord in heaven before we have to answer to any man. And even after that, we still have to answer to our Lord in heaven. So, you know, it, it is what it is, and I, I don't have a filter on that. Anybody that puts somebody's health at risk, I really don't care for it to begin with. So I'll just leave it at that, Des. 
All right, guys, keep sending us your questions. We love it. Let's keep having discussions and let's grow together. On behalf of P for Give me some Snickerdoodle. Snickerdoodle, Kaylin Patterson, Desiree Fletcher Carruthers. Hashtag chocolate way for the win, by the way. Your body is a temple, so let's build it.